Let us pray together, shall we? Father God, thank you for a beautiful opportunity once again to be in your holy house, O God, and to worship you in spirit and in truth. I pray that you will touch every heart and every life in the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. amen. You have a Bible this morning. We're glad to have you in God's house. And I'm turning to the book of Acts, chapter 15. Thank God and thank God. Good to see each and every one of you. Let your heart be open to the Lord this morning. Let the word of the Lord find fertile lodging soil in your heart. Okay, all right. If you're here this morning and and hablo español, well, then we've got a class for you. And if we have any that uh, are Creole-minded, then we have Creole for you also. And if you do English, I don't know what we're going to do. I'll struggle with it, but we'll see what we can do. All right. I tell everybody I'm trilingual. I don't speak either language too well. All right. We're glad you're here. We love you and appreciate you. Acts chapter 15. And I would like to read you verse 26. Acts chapter 15 and verse 26. Men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I would like to minister for a little while this morning from this thought here, men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. The Apostle Paul, being one born out of due season, the scripture said, and um, what you want to keep in mind, first and foremost, is that Jesus gave his life on the cross for this great truth, this great message. And for many men and women, the things that he did, he did that the scripture might be fulfilled. And he made that clear. Uh, there were places to exit there were places to get off the uh, highway, if you please, that was leading to the place of the skull, uh, Golgotha, where he would give his life on that cross. There were many opportunities to detour, and yet he made it clear, he said, if he was to do thus and so and thus and so, he said, then how shall the scriptures be fulfilled? Of course, that comes down to how shall the way of escape be made? How will people be able to escape hell and damnation? How is it that people then would be able to really experience and know the love of God if I cop out, if I go to the right, go to the left, and shrink back or uh, turn around as they did, it was written, uh, to their... I suppose everlasting shame of the children of Ephraim. It will call them a proud tribe 
of Israel, and yet how the Scripture said they turned back in the day of battle, being armed with bows and spears. They had what they needed to get the job done, but they seemingly lacked the courage in that moment. That group of people lacked the courage in that moment to go forward and fight the battle of the Lord as it is written in the New Testament that we are to uh, fight the good fight of faith. And of course, the way we fight is with the weapons that are spiritual weapons. Uh, they are not carnal weapons. So we don't think in the carnal or natural sense of fighting when we fight the good fight of faith. We're not going to be using our fists or guns or grenades. Or One man was recently lamenting, complaining. Uh, he said when we were young people, he said if we had a disagreement, he said we just duped it out. <laughs> he said, but uh, now, he said, everybody just shoots everybody. And uh, it's very sad. Of course it is. And people uh, that are immature in their mind or inexperienced, uh, they just don't realize. They play so many games and watch so many things from Hollywood, so many things that are fake and phony. Uh, that it's like the two little children that were depicted in a magazine with their noses pressed up against the window from the inside of the back seat of the car looking at the dad out there and it's pouring torrential rain and he's soaked and soaked and soaked and he's trying to change the tire that had gone flat on the car and the children, one of them spoke up and said through the window, said, Dad, Dad, and he looked up and they said, just change the channel. Well, it's like a young Spanish man that I read about. He was being arrested uh, for crimes and uh, quite a crime spree. And as they were taking him in, uh, now he was somebody's son. Uh, and he no doubt had been uh, raised pretty decent way by his family and and yet, um, here he is, finds himself being arrested, handcuffed, taken into custody. And he lashed out at the officers and he said, he said, man, he said, life ain't nothing but a video game, man. That's all it is, a video game. Just change the, data, change the channel, Dad. Life's just a video game. And it's sad that people are living in alternate hemispheres or universes, um, they're, they're, I want to say, an alternate reality, but the only, I want to explain that, meaning that they have their own reality, which is not reality. Isn't it like the Apostle said, the Apostle Paul said in the book of Galatians, he said he marveled that some people had become so foolish, so foolish, that they were uh, moved onto a Another gospel, which he said is not another. So there are people that are living in a different alternate reality, which is not reality. And so we must realize that Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. That is to save us, because all are born in sin. All are shapen. In iniquity and uh, everybody falls short of God's glory 
If you lived under a glass bubble and you never said it wrong, thought it wrong, done it wrong, breathed it wrong, whatever, you still must obey the Word of God. And that is, you must, Jesus said, you must be born again of water and of the Spirit. And you know that the Bible said all Scripture is given. All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. So all you Bible study teachers and witnesses, you remember that when somebody tells you, well, uh, Peter said that. He said, I go with what Jesus said. That don't work. Because all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. All Scripture. Genesis through Revelation. Close to 800,000 words. All given by God's Spirit. So you can't pit Peter against Jesus or Jesus against Paul or Paul against Silas or whoever. That won't work. That's just a natural carnal mind trying to live in some rationalizing alternate reality that is not a reality. Just like people that want to tell you that you can be saved in all these other different ways that are not the gospel, that are not chapter and verse, that is not the way the original church preached it, taught it, lived it, and brought it to the rest of us. And so they just living in some kind of alternate reality with another gospel that is not a reality and not the gospel. You and I have a chance here for the truth. We have a chance to walk and live in what's right. We have a chance to escape the horrors of hell and that is with world without end. And we have an opportunity to go to heaven. We have an op a heavenly opportunity if you please. And we want to awaken to the righteousness of God's Word. Seek ye first, the Scripture said, Matthew 6 and 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Seek that first and His righteousness. That means He's the one that's the lawgiver. He's the one that is right. And what He gives to us is what we want to seek. What He's making available to us. What He is declaring is the right way to do things. I want you to know that the Bible said in Hebrews chapter 11, I am not interested in the faith, in the, in the hall of fame that's in, I believe it's Canton, Ohio. I, there's nothing in Ohio of interest to me there except lost souls. And uh, there's other places where they have halls of fame. And I've even heard that they have halls of shame. <laughs> so, be that as it may, I'm interested in the faith hall of fame that you can find in Hebrews chapter 11, where you can read of men and women, boys and girls, that hazarded their lives. They put their lives on the line. They stood up strong and fearless, and they would not turn back in the day of battle. They would not retreat. There was absolutely no reverse to them. I don't know if you, if I, you were here when I maybe told this once in a while, I'll drop it in, about the 
man that was kept bringing his car into the mechanic shop and uh, having to have it repaired. And after four or five times and quite a bit of money, the mechanic asked him, he said, what, what is it that you're doing? Because this is the fifth time you've been in here. The same thing is wrong with the car. This is, I fixed it for you and fixed it for you and fixed it for you. And you paid money, paid money, paid money. Said, just what's happening? Because this shouldn't happen. <laughs> and so the guy said, well, he said, I'll tell you. He said, I get on the interstate and I, I'm going along. And this guy pulls up alongside me. And he said, he, he's looking at me and he's racing. He's looking at me and he's racing. And he said, and I, he said something just stirs up inside of me and I, I just, I got to beat him. He said, so I, I put the car in D for drive. And he said, I'm going. And he said, and then I move it to S for super. He said, and then he's getting ahead of me, so I put it R for race. <laughs> like I said, Alternate reality. That may work in the video game, but it don't work in real life. And uh, I am telling you that there are people that uh, the Bible teaches that are in the Faith Hall of Fame and many others that the writer said time would fail me to tell you about them and how that they, they put their lives on the line. The Bible said that even to the point that they hid in mountains and dens and caves uh, and that they were the world was not worthy of them and that uh, these went on to the New Testament and how that there were a great cloud of witnesses looking at these in the New Testament the times in which we live and encouraging men and women that have lined up behind Jesus Christ and the apostles and the prophets uh, and Jesus himself being that chief cornerstone and they've lined up behind them. And they will not shrink back. They will not turn to the right or to the left. They, they uh, no matter what the threat is, no matter uh, what they stand to lose, they refuse to turn back in this day of battle. They refuse to allow the enemy to intimidate them. And get them to shrink and fall back from their responsibility to the truth. I want you to understand that Jesus Christ gave his life on the place of the skull on Mount Golgotha. And that there he, I believe he really won the battle actually in the Garden of Gethsemane. Where he had prayed in the days of his flesh. And where his was feeling the pressure, the whole city of Jerusalem is going to be coming against him. All the religious groups, all the people that are so holy, holy, blessed, blessed, are going to be coming against him. And going to be chanting, crucify him, crucify him. And how that the leader... The Roman leader at that, a Gentile leader at that, was going to be saying, why? What's he done wrong? Besides, it's a feast day. 
And I'm appointed to and empowered to turn one person loose today. So surely, let's let him go. He's done no, I find no fault in him. It's so nice to be in the church and that you find no fault. No fault. You know, you live in a no-fault insurance state. You might want to think about being in a no-fault church. You might want to think about how much greater the church is than State Farm or some of them. (laughs) I certainly think so. I want you to understand that the church is the place you need to be. Jesus gave his life on the cross so that you could be a part of the church or the body of Christ or the congregation of the mighty, that you could be among that number that's called out of darkness and brought into his marvelous light. That where you have sat in darkness, where your mind was lost and your your soul was lost and your spirit was making all the wrong choices and piling up sin and sin added to sin and, and even to the point that sin became exceedingly sinful in your life. And that now you have an opportunity, a heavenly opportunity because Jesus put his life on the line. And Jesus went to the cross. And as I said, praying that prayer and the human side, the, the, that part of the flesh in the days of his flesh crying out and saying, if it's possible, if it's possible, let this cup pass from my chalice. But I wouldn't have to partake of this. And I wouldn't have to go and be whipped and beaten and a crown of thorns on my head and spit on by 600 Roman soldiers. What, a, what an experience that must have been. And uh, that I wouldn't have to be taken up to the cross and humiliated before everybody and nailed to that cross and hang there between heaven and earth. And that I wouldn't have to have my side spear pierced with a spear. And that I wouldn't have to go through the many things that are awaiting me and that I'm well aware of. If it's possible, let this cup pass from my chalice. But, but, not my will. Not the will of the flesh, but thy will be done. Thy will be done. Hear me when I tell you that Jesus not only hazarded his life, but he gave his life on the cross. Don't let that become an old story to you. Don't let that get lost somewhere in the very back and deep recesses and corners of your mind. Keep that very close to your heart, what he did for you. Get to the place where you can't help but choke up reading certain things in your Bible. The reality of what has been done for this world. A world that in their minds were wicked, carnal, and full of hate against him and the things of his spirit. And how that he persevered, he pushed through, And he died on that cross. He gave his life willingly on that cross and shed that blood so that you could be baptized in his name. That you could be filled with the free gift of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of the living God. That you could have salvation and that you could have hope of life eternal. That you could have hope beyond this world. If you were to become 
the richest person in the world going past Mr. Buffett or Mr. Trump or and those that are already past them, whatever, whoever number one is on the Forbes list, I don't know. But that you could surpass them and you die lost. Let me tell you, your troubles have just begun. Because it will be world without end. And money will have no play in that world. There will be no way to get escaped from that place called hell and the lake of fire. There will be no way of escape, you see, because Jesus is the way of escape. And it's now that you get the opportunity. In this day, in this hour, at this moment, in this known as the church age, this dispensation or period of time known as grace. When grace has its unsearchable riches, and when grace is so glorious and beyond our comprehension that sinner like me could be saved, that lost person like you and I could be pulled out of the fire, that we could realize that Jesus gave his life on the cross and it didn't stop there, but that he told them that he was training, that they were to take this gospel, they were to take this death, burial, and resurrection when it occurs. You are to take it, and you are to preach it. Tell them to believe in the kingdom of God. Go to them and tell them that they are to believe the gospel, and that if you say you believe, then that means you're obedient to that gospel. You're obedient to the faith that was once and for all delivered to those who would be the saints of Almighty God. Everybody said amen. amen. And friend, they, they went, they did what Jesus said. He has now died on the cross. He has shed the blood. And the Spirit has withdrawn and left just a shell, or the Scripture used the word carcass, on that cross. And now, three days later, as according to the Scripture and the prophecy, the Spirit of God has re-entered that body out of, and brought it out of the grave, victorious over death and hell and the grave, snatching the keys out of the devil's hands, the one who had power all that time over death. Well, now he takes orders, you hear me? He doesn't have the keys anymore. But death is still working in this time in which we live. But there's something for you that can give you hope beyond death. And that is where the writer said, I'm going to awake with his likeness. And there's pleasures forevermore at his right hand, that place of authority. I'm going to be in the first resurrection if I just won't turn back in the day of battle. Don't turn back. I'm going to go forward by the grace of God, with the divine help of God. For it is written, the Lord is my helper. I shall not fear what man will do unto me. Not going to worry about their threats and their intimidations. And we're, we're, there was a couple, a husband and a wife, whose son was healed. And he had been blind. And Jesus took mercy upon him and healed him. And the religious people got upset about it. You've never seen people get so upset and claim religion, though. You know, claim to be oh so saved, as I said, oh so blessed. When we went down and held the revival meeting at the, what we called reach, at the loading ramp. And, you know, it was supposed to be in their minds just a quick little thing and we'd be gone. 
But day went upon day upon day upon day upon day. And we put in close to two weeks feeding people that didn't have food and clothing people, giving them for free food and clothing. And But more importantly, we were, as Jesus said to the disciples of John the baptizer who came from the prison where John was imprisoned, and John having sent them and said, Are you the Christ or do we look for another? Now you imagine that's, that's John the baptizer who baptized Jesus. This is John the baptizer who was cousin in the flesh to Jesus, six months older. But he was in jail and he was battling for what's right. And I've got to make sure this is passed on to the right one. I've got to be sure I'm endorsing the right thing. I've got to be sure that this is it and that he is the Christ, the very Christ. And so he sends them and they come and Jesus said, you tell them that the, the lame are healed and the blind eyes are open and the dead are raised up. And he said, and you tell them that the poor have the gospel preached unto them. You'll find that in Matthew chapter 11. And how that, that the poor had the gospel preached unto them. And that one man asked me, he said, why are you starting a church there? It's always, why are you doing whatever you're doing? Nobody, you know, so many people don't want to be a part of what you're doing, but they always want to know what you're doing. You know. <laughs> well, you know, if they understood why we do what we do, then they wouldn't have left. You know, they wouldn't have left. So the confusion is on their part. And we certainly pray that one day God will deprive them of their confusion and their ignorance and help them to know what's right. But in the meantime, the church has a job to do. And we hazard our lives. We put ourselves out there. Twelve days. And women, mothers, grandmothers said in that area of town where they said, they said, the mothers and the grandmothers, said there's always violence here. There's always crime and killing. And said, but for the time you've been here, said all this time our babies don't sleep through the night. They wake up crying all the time. And sometimes they can't go to sleep for crying until they just wear themselves out. And said, but since you've been down here, said there's not been any crime. Nobody's shot anybody. And, and our babies are sleeping soundly through the night. But, the, but there were those religious people that complained. There were those religious people that didn't like what was going on. And the next thing you know, they complained to the city down at City Hall. And the next thing I knew, they took out a book bigger than my Bible. And they started telling me that I couldn't continue down there anymore. That I had to get a permit, I said, I got a permit. I came down here. You gave me the okay. They said, yeah, but now you got to get a different kind of permit. Oh, a different kind of permit. And uh, yeah, and, it, and it's going to cost you seven, $800. I said, oh, I see. And they said, uh, you, um, you, can't, you can't stay out there at night. Five o'clock, you got to be done. I said, it's after five when everybody starts coming out. The people, you know. They get home from work. They come out of the fields. Come back from wherever. Getting off the buses. The people we're trying to reach. At reach. <laughs> and uh, they said, and you, I don't know, they pulled out two or three other ordinances that were buried under the, 
dust that they dug out somehow. And uh, I, I think what they did really need to do is blow the dust off their Bibles. <laughs> Try reading that. You might think about the people that's constantly spending hours on Facebook when maybe they ought to blow the dust off their, their Bible and get their face in the book. You know, might want to think about that. Well, anyway, so they said, you've got to come to a city hall meeting. So we got some of us, and we went down to the city hall meeting. And I don't think they were expecting us to bring that much support, and I didn't feel like we brought that much support. Everybody couldn't go, and, uh, but we brought a contingent. We went down there. And uh, so they're getting ready, and everybody's gathering in, and they come over to me and they said, Reverend, we'd like you to, we'd like you to pray to open the service, to open the service, to open the meeting tonight. And I said, uh, why, sure. I'll be more than happy to do that for you. And uh, so uh, it came time and they stood and they called me to the front. And, and uh, so I led them in prayer. And when, they got, when I got done, they sat back down. I told them that there would be no charge for that, that I waived the fees. <laughs> so I guess they got the message because when they got done with their little meeting, they gave us everything we wanted and they waived the fees. <laughs> All right. Well, we give glory to God. I'm simply saying to you, though, that people, people will rise up. Religious people will rise up and they will might want to check something out. They, they will fight against the truth. And they will uh, say things that are ugly. And they will make you feel, try to make you feel very bad. They will try to make you feel like you shouldn't uh, do what you're doing. Go where you're going. Uh, be involved with what you're involved with. And they will have a lot of things negative to say. They will... Uh, and they will, they will things come out of their mouth that are so harmful and hateful and ugly. But you know, you stay with what's right and you do what's right. And God is your helper. And uh, Jesus, as I said, there are many, many opportunities to turn and go right, go left, back up, sit down, run away from it. He could have jumped on the same boat that uh, no, uh, Noah, not Noah, excuse me, different boat, different guy. <laughs> Jonah, he could have jumped on Jonah's boat and not gone to Nineveh, to the city of 180,000 plus people that were so, so lost. They were so lost, they didn't know the right hand from their left. The ignorance was so great, meaning the lack of knowledge was so great. And, uh, and so he just, he shrunk back and he wouldn't do what God said. and Rationalized something in his mind and jumped on a boat and headed towards a resort down to Tarsha. And of course, you know that God dealt with him and, and uh, swallowed him up. And you better believe there are things ready to swallow you up when you go away from God. And, uh, but the Lord worked it out. He got old Jonah back where he belonged and was kind enough to give the word of the Lord to him the second time. Not everybody gets to hear it the second time. The will of God doesn't always come around the second time. 
And sometimes when it does, it's a long time in between the first and the second time. And so to appreciate, to love what God has given us and what He's placed in our hearts and to have find absolutely no fault in it. That He is so great and His work is so mighty and He is so holy. We are so blessed that we have such an opportunity. And it didn't stop, as I said, when Jesus rose again from the dead and He gave last-minute instructions and He told them to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, to every one of God's creation. Bring it to them. Doesn't matter who they are. Doesn't matter where they are. You know, some people will sit in a service, especially when you have a foreign uh, minister come in, one from another country from here, different from here. Uh, maybe from Bora Bora or, uh, I don't know, Joktar or some place that you don't even know. And, uh, or from Bruni. There is such a place. And, uh, and then people will weep and people will cry and people will give their money. But when, when, uh, when Haiti comes to us or when the Spanish comes to us or when some other countries or islands come to us, then the devil comes along and says, you don't want to work with them. And the church says, oh, but we do want to work with them. You see, I've told many a person, I've told them, you need to come see my Belle Glade. You know, I'm not going to take you to Palm Beach and tell you that's, that's my place. I'm not going to take you to Boca Raton and tell you that's my place. I won't even take you to Wellington and tell you that's my place. I'm going to take you right downtown Belgrade and tell you that's my place. That's where the lost and dying are. We don't need to send money all over the place. You need to do it right here. You don't need some kind of conscience soother and, you know, just buy it off and send it somewhere to somebody else and then you, like the pilot, you just wash your hands of it, have nothing to do with it. Isn't that what he said about you? No, sir, friend. There were those. There were those 12 apostles. There was Mary, the mother of that flesh, and the other devout women. That they said, we'll do what you said, Jesus. And there was 380 looking at them. 380 staring at that about 120. And telling them, calling them on the phone, their cell phones and their iPads and their iPods and everything else. And telling them, Facebooking them, telling them, you don't want to go there. You don't want to go that way. You don't want to be with him. But they said, we'll do what you say. We find no fault. There's a job to do here. Doesn't matter what they say about us. We've got this to do, and we're going to do it. We love you, Jesus, and we love your truth. We love your word, and we love the work of God. And they can cut us off. They can, they can try to intimidate us. They can gossip about us, and heaven knows they will. And uh, many things that they will say. But we're going to go. And we're going to assemble ourselves to the church house. And we're going to wait for a sound from heaven. As of a rushing mighty wind. And doing so they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. We're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. But we're not going to stop there. We're going to be renewed or refilled with the Holy Ghost. And we're going to take the message. 
you're going to do it. No matter what, men rise up like a guy named Saul. Tarsha. Same city, I guess, that Jonah ran to. Hit out. Intended to. Saul of Tarsha, he said, he was telling them that you can't preach this message. You can't use the name of Jesus. You can baptize and say, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, or eeny, meeny, miny, moe. You can say whatever you want to say. Just don't do it in the name of Jesus. Excuse me, uh, I've got to sing now. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, but don't you baptize in Jesus. I'm sorry to have to give you that little bit of singing. I knew it would get your attention, though. I knew it would get your attention. Hey, we're glad you're here. Yeah. Let's give God a big hand. Come on. Thank God. Don't worry, we'll get, we'll get the singers back in here and take care of that after a while, okay? Then I'll just sing along to where you can't hear me. But the Lord will hear me. And thankfully, he said, you know, that joyful noise. I'm glad his ways are above our ways. Because what he calls joyful seems to be different than what some people say about my singing. <laughs> well, hallelujah. So the church, the church, they, they took the baton and they began to run the race. And you are told to run this race that is set before you. And that you've got to do it looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him, he endured. He endured the taunts and the threats. And that's what... Saul of Tarsha was doing. He was yet breathing out threatenings and slaughterings. But the church kept right on preaching. The church kept right on witnessing. The church kept right on living the, the message and the truth. And, and he kept right on bringing them into jail and causing them to be killed. And then that day came, friend. The church just kept on keeping on and doing the right thing. And I read uh, once again in the book of Psalms about my tears in thy bottle and my prayers in thy vial. Oh, friend, my God, is he's not missing it. And that day came and, and, and the Lord stepped up and said, Today, Saul of Tarsha, you and I are going to have a little talk. And brother, he was riding down the road and suddenly there came a broom out of heaven. You ever read that word in the Bible? Somebody, a preacher asked me not too long ago, he said, Do you know what a besom is? I said, Yeah, it's a broom. He said, Oh, oh a broom. I said, yeah, the, that's the broom of heaven, man. <laughs> and God, I told my wife the other day, I bought her a little sign. It said, if the, if the broom fits, and uh, that's all it said, if the broom fits. And so I, I, I don't know if those are fighting words or not, but I told her, if the broom fits, ride it. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Use it to the best. Use it for inspiration. Use it for transportation. Let's just get the job done. <laughs> Amen. Sometimes you've got to use what's at hand, friend. You know, some people can't never do nothing because everything's just not right. Well, everything isn't going to be just right. You've got to just roll up your sleeves and get with it. Roll it right up to just below your elbow. And get with it. Everybody said amen. amen. Everybody said praise the, praise the Lord. Well, give God another big hand. Well, I, I'm afraid I've got a whole lot more, but I don't have a whole lot more time. So I'll have to, have to kind of wind it down here. But Saul was breathing out threatenings and slaughterings, intimidations, fighting, fighting, fighting. But the church went on. 
And the church kept on. And that's what it's doing right now. In our day, in our age, in our time, you've got to place yourself along with the church, the original, that has continued from then until this split second and will continue until he returns for his church in what's known as the first, biblically known as the first resurrection, more commonly referred to as the rapture. Everybody said hallelujah. All right, a great God, a great God, a great faith hall of fame. Might have to continue this next week with part two. Didn't near get to where I wanted to, but time would prevent me from doing that this morning. But we love and appreciate you very much. And uh, I'm going to be calling some names later to see if you're here. I have some, I'm backing up on my baptismal certificates and uh, thankful that for those that we have recently baptized the Bible way in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or the forgiveness of all their sins. Thank you, Jesus. Thank God and thank God. We have many things that are on the horizon, many things that are uh, right here in front of us, and I hope that you will pray with us and believe with us. I talked to the electrician. Uh, we've talked to the AC man, the electrician, uh, the structural, and the fire alarm. And those, I understand, are the four rough inspections that we're right ready to do except for the electric has one thing lacking and I talked to him and he told me he had my answer for me tomorrow and if he comes and finishes his job and gets everything to where he feels like it's inspection ready then we will be calling for our inspection we get that done and get that passed then we can start drywalling and we figure we can drywall finish drywall the whole thing for $60,000 I know that sounds like a lot of money but it's not a lot to God, and he can supply it, and he will supply it, and I'm thankful for all that he does. When you get the drywall done, you're really getting close to home. You're getting right there, friend, because there'll be some trimming out after that, which I keep saying that like it's not much, and Pastor Hopper keeps saying, that's a lot, that's a lot. <laughs> well, I'm going to just be optimistic about it, okay? All right, so we love you. We appreciate you. going to ask you to stand, if you will, at this time. And let's worship the Lord. Shall we lift our hearts with our hands, everybody? Father God, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. Oh, Lord God, we worship you. We worship you. We worship you. And I praise your holy name, dear God. And I thank you for this truth, for this message. Dear God, you're great and mighty. You're holy and you're divine.
Lord, let's lift our hearts with our hands. I love you, holy God. 